Well, welcome to Holy Days Podcast once again. I'm Apostle Freddie here with Pastor Sean Shepherd, and uh, we've uh, got some interesting things to talk about today. Just excited to get into the Word, Pastor Sean. Amen. All right. So uh, we ended last week talking about, I asked you a question. Uh, how many names of God are there? Uh, in the Bible, there's over 900. 900 names of God. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, kind of a, a lengthy list to go through. So uh, mm-hmm. just have to understand that God is, uh, he says, I am. And so whatever you have need of, he is, I am. Amen. So, Sean, how do we, we're getting started today. Well, I'm going to give you one of the names of God that I found interesting. In Genesis 21, verse 33, uh, you got him Abraham talking, but he gives the title El Olam which means everlasting God. Everlasting God. Now, in our Bible, it says everlasting God, but yep. that name is El Olam, and that is one of the 900-plus names. I thought I would just throw that in there. <laughs> All right. So, so we're going to start out in Exodus uh, at chapter 10, and we're going to go through the first part, 1 through verse 20, and we're going to start out with the plague of locusts. Okay. So if you remember in the last one, uh they were coming out. Moses, was, I mean, Pharaoh was still giving them problems. They had the boils. They had the hail. And now we're at the point of the locust. So I'm going to bring up this picture here. Now, the plague of locust uh, had the, the god uh, Serapa, was the Egyptian deity protector from locust. Anubis, which I have the picture on the screen, jackal-headed guardian of the field, and Osiris. Now, Anubis, uh, everybody's pretty much heard of him at mm-hmm. one point or another. But the land was already devastated by hell, burned with fire. Now the locusts eat what remains. And God proves that he, he's God. He's, he's the dominant one. In, in Amen. And he proves that. Now, in verses 1 through 3, God reveals the three primary reasons why he's hardened Pharaoh's heart. Number one, he says, to show his signs of mine before him, mm-hmm. to show my signs. The other one is for them to tell their children and grandchildren about what he's done. And then the last one, that you may know that I am Yahweh. So he's saying that you may know that I am God. You know, a lot of people always ask me in the past when they read that, uh, why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Uh if you go back to chapter 9, it's the last verse there says, hey, Pharaoh hardened his heart. So, uh, but God was hardened his heart to humble, uh, to get Pharaoh to humble himself. And uh, which we know it didn't happen here. So, uh, but it's interesting to, to see that. But God is uh, always working on man's heart. Mm-hmm. So, uh it wasn't hardening it to uh, <clears throat> make Pharaoh hate and bitter God, but it was hardening his heart to uh, humble himself. Amen. And you know, and since you brought that up, in the Jewish commentaries, they never say that God actually made his heart hard. They say it was already hard, and he just used that. That is the commentaries from the Jewish people, because they say God doesn't do any evil. Mm. And they always bring that out in all of their teachings, and they bring it out in this. Well, and like I said, the chapter 9, we go back just two verses, and it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was already hardened. Yes. 
Now, in verses uh, 4 through 6, God warns Pharaoh through Moses that he will send a plague of locusts. Mm-hmm. If he, if it will devour what remains of the crops from the hailstorm. So everything that remains that wasn't destroyed, going to get destroyed. And he gives them a warning. They will under, overrun the palaces, the homes of Pharaoh and his officials, and all the houses in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Pharaoh's officials now come to Pharaoh, and they appeal to him. And they say, how long will you let this man hold Egypt hostage? So we're seeing a major turn of events in the, in the officials. Let them go and worship their God. Egypt lies in ruins. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Pharaoh calls them back in and says, only the men can go and worship. Yeah. And yeah. Pharaoh throws them out of the palace. Yeah. You know, this is uh, throughout, uh, we see this. Many times people today, uh, for Pharaoh, was often compromise. Mm-hmm. And so many people today are easily, the enemy still offers compromise oh, yeah. to our situations. And uh, uh, we have to understand that God is, doesn't want us to compromise. He wants us to stand on his word, stand strong. And that's exactly what we see Moses and Aaron. They're, they're going to stand strong. Yep. So no compromising. No compromise. Mm. In uh, verse 12, Moses is told by God to raise his hand over Egypt to bring on the locust. Mm-hmm. In verse 13, the wind has, had blown all night, and in the morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, this was the worst plague of locusts that Egypt ever had, mm-hmm. and ever since. That's what the Bible says straight out there in verse 14. It says very severe. Mm-hmm. In verse 15, not a single leaf was left on the trees and plants throughout the land of Egypt. Not a single leaf. Hmm. The land of Goshen wasn't affected. Hmm. You know, leaders today in our nation keep saying, listen to us. Hmm. Don't listen to anybody else. Listen to us. Don't listen to God. Don't listen to these other sources. Listen to us. Nobody Hmm. else knows what they're talking about. Hmm. So you got to think about Pharaoh in that position. Like, I'm God. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care about these locusts. I'm in charge. And yet all of it's being eaten. All of it's being devoured. Uh, Resources are being taken. We kind of see some of that similarity in in our country today. Yeah. And most definitely. mm -hmm. And they're still saying, listen to us. Mm -hmm. Don't listen to God. It's, it's kind of, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, this went in the face of, you know, Pharaoh, And at this point, he has to import food or take it from the land of Goshen because they're the only ones that have cattle. They're the only ones that have anything left. Verses 16 and 17, this is the first time Pharaoh admits he has sinned against God Mm. and against Moses and against Aaron. He asks for forgiveness just this once, he says, and and plead with the Lord your God to take away this death from me. That's what he called it. Yeah. So we finally see Pharaoh get to that point. In verses 18 through 20, Moses leaves the court, prays for the locusts to go away, and a, a west wind comes in, blows them all into the Red Sea, and not a single locust remained in the land of Egypt. Wow. Completely gone. You know, this, maybe we can shed a little light on this one verse, but uh, verse 17, you just mentioned it. Uh, says, now, therefore, please forgive my sin only this once. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. 
that that is recorded in scripture that Pharaoh only this once. So does that, we have any light on that? Uh, they, they've covered in some of them. It's, uh, he's at the point where, you know, th there's that pride. Mm -hmm. Okay, just this once, you know, forgive me for this. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not really wrong. I don't really feel that I'm wrong. But just this once, forgive me for that. And that's the commentary that I got from the Jews, Jews uh, talking about that. So, wow. But I did, I just thought it was interesting. I was looking here real quick to see if I had a, 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 a note on it, but I don't really have any, anything on that. But uh, I don't know. You know, it's amazing as we study scripture and, and every day when you read scripture fresh and anew, it comes to you live and you get little things out of, the scripture that for some reason you just kind of overlook. And, and I, I, this was one of those kind of things. I never really noticed the only once, so to speak. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to, to bring that out this morning a little bit that, you know, when we come to the Lord and repent, we can't do it partially. Yeah. We have to give our whole heart and everything in our heart and uh, repent and ask God to forgive us of all sins for now and forever because mm -hmm. we continue to live in a sinful world. Uh, we're going to continue to make mistakes. I, I have not reached perfection, and, uh, uh, and I don't think you have either uh, or no one else. So we're constantly asking, praying, God forgive us of the sins that we make. So uh it's not an only once. It's now and always. Yes. Amen. 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 Uh, verses 18, 18 through 20, Moses leaves the court, you know, of course, prays for the west wind. All the locusts leave. And now we get to the point where the land of Goshen, it says, was not affected. Mm -hmm. And in the Revelations, I'm going to bring this picture up. Chapter 9, 3 through 6, there's a correlation. The locusts came from the smoke and descended on the earth. And they were given power to sting like scorpions. Verse 4, they were told not to harm the grass of the plants or the trees, but only the people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Verse 5, they were told not to kill them, but to torture them for five months with pain like the pain of a scorpion sting. In those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. Now, in verse 4, it's uh, they were told not to harm the grass or the plants or the trees, but only the people. And I found that very interesting because here we see a change of how God directs this. Mm -hmm. He said before they devoured all the food, mm -hmm. but now here at the end of days, they're just putting that sting on the people uh, who won't on repent. The people. So are, is this the same type of locust? It's a good question. Yeah. But now what, what we're also looking at on that is, what was the point of it all to begin with? Yeah. Rebellion, to repent. And God's revealing that in Revelation. Hey, this was the point all along. But in Revelation, it's, the, I believe, the fifth seal mm -hmm. that's being opened there. And uh, and that is, you know, this, uh, the seal of judgments that mm -hmm. are being opened in the punishment mm -hmm. upon the people. So uh, kind of a little bit more severe. Uh, yeah. You know, here the locusts were the pest and nuisance to the individual, but eating up the crop, which was devastating. This here, it affects the man's flesh. Yes, so absolutely.
In verse 21, he said, lift up your hand toward heaven. The land of Egypt will be covered with a thick darkness, so thick that you can feel it. Hmm. You know, uh, darkness. Uh, we're uh, getting ready to leave in a couple of weeks, take a team to Israel. And one of the, the interesting points of one of my, or my previous trip to Israel was uh, you get to experience many different things. And one of those things, Sean, we went into Caiaphas' house where they took Jesus and they lowered him in a pit overnight. And uh, they, uh, it's actually just a, a hole cut and you have to be let down in that pit through it by rope. Well, nowadays they have a stairway. You go down into this pit. But to go down into, my point is they turn the lights out and uh, you feel darkness. And it is a, a darkness of darkness. I don't know that I've ever experienced a total darkness in that sense, when I'm standing there with eyes wide open and it is, it's dark. And the only, and they asked everyone to be silent. It's, and there, you felt such darkness that it, it's really in a, a sense. And that was a sense of awe of what Jesus went through. And it was, a, it was, it really touched me powerful uh, of just a t small taste what Jesus himself went through in that darkness. So here, this is on the land, a darkness of the dark. I can't Im imagine that being, that it would, you could feel that in out in the daytime. It was so bad in Egypt, it, it said that they didn't move and they didn't leave their homes because mm -hmm. it was nothing but straight darkness. But in the land of Goshen, there was light. Yeah. So. Which is the miracle power of God. Amen. So um, the Egyptians, this guy, this time around, were, uh, let's see, bring this up for you. These are the gods that failed to protect Egypt, the sun god Amon-Ra and Pharaoh, who was considered to be his son. Ramses' name means drawn forth of Ra, and darkness covered the land for three days. Mm -hmm. Significant there. Mm -hmm. Once again, God of the Jews proves that he is God alone. So three days, darkness covers the land. And, you know, we, you got to think about the uh, correlation there. You know, Jesus was in the earth for three days and after he had died and then he rose again. You know, it's something interesting, too. All the other plagues, they had warnings mm -hmm. about. You know, they had no warning mm -hmm. of this darkness. It just came. It just happened. Mm -hmm. uh, a cloud of total darkness without warning on it. I, I imagine that had to affect uh, the Pharaoh, you know, oh, wow. what's this, you know, uh, is this Moses doing or what's, what's going on here? It's, it's a wonder, you know, to think yeah. about. Mm -hmm. Now these are correlations to all the times that, uh, darkness is mentioned and I didn't get them all, but you, I got quite a bit. Uh, in Revelation six twelve, great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood. And in Isaiah 13, 10, for the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash their light. The sun will be dark when it rises and the moon will not shed its light. In Job 9, 7, if he commands it, the sun won't rise and the stars won't shine. And in Joel 2, 10, the earthquakes as they advance, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon grow dark and the stars no longer shine. In Amos 8 and 9, in that day, says the sovereign Lord, 
I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth while it is still day. In Ezekiel 32, 7, when I blot you out, I will veil the heavens and darken the stars. I will cover the sun with a cloud and the moon will not give its light to you. And in Joel chapter 3, verse 15, the sun and the moon will grow dark and the stars will no longer shine. And then you see in Matthew, he says, immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the power of the heavens will be shaken. And one more. At that time, after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Ezekiel 32, 8, I will darken the bright stars overhead and cover your land in darkness. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Amen. You know, never really took much time to focus upon this darkness, but uh, different commentaries, and I was reading a commentary note here. It says, uh, seemingly, God did not even allow artificial light sources to work. It says that the Egyptians attempt to use candles or lamps, but were unable to produce light. Uh, this really, as we can think of uh, in First uh, John 1, 5, says God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So you have to think when God's presence is withdrawn, mm -hmm. uh, light is withdrawn. Mm -hmm. And this is that sense of darkness that's covered but uh, can you imagine that uh, not only was this without warning, the darkness so great that your lamps would not produce light or even a candle would, could not be lit to produce light? You know, it's, it's incredible because, you know, in the Jewish commentaries, they talk about that. And they say that no candle, just like it says there, mm -hmm. nothing, no light source of any kind. So no matter what they did, they, they just sat in their homes because and didn't move around. Such total darkness. Uh, you know, today we live in such a a community, a world with light. Uh, you live out in the country, so you can experience a little more darkness than I can. I live in the city. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I can remember as a child growing up out in the country, when it was dark, it was dark. And the greatest one of the things to do was go out and lay in the yard and look at the, the stars. Mm -hmm. Well, in the city, you can't hardly see stars anymore. But in our, our homes at night, in the middle of the night, I can get up and move around in my life. How many individual things, like we're wearing a mic that has a blue light on it. How many blue lights, red lights, yellow lights, or green lights are on <laughs> in your house throughout the night that illuminate your, your house? So mm -hmm. it gives you that light and street lamps. But uh, I'm just thinking of total pitch black darkness mm -hmm. is, uh, is a, a sense that brings an awe, and also it had to brought a fear upon the people of Egypt. I mean, can you imagine for three days? For three, uh, yeah. And they, it, the first day, if you had one night, you know, that's bad enough. But by the third day, mm -hmm. you can't imagine what those people were thinking. And you know how it is when you can't sense time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, this three days, how long it really felt to them. Oh, I guarantee yeah. it messed with their head, <laughs> no doubt. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to do a little word study here on the word darkness. Darkness. So, so uh, the there's two words for it in the Hebrew. And the one's RFL, which means cloud, heavy, or dark cloud, darkness, gross darkness, 
thick darkness. And if you break down the letters, it means authority coming from pride. Mm. That's what darkness means in, uh, from the word RFL. Now, hasak is what the other word in, I think it's the word that's used here mm-hmm. when they're talking about it. To, to be or become dark, grow dim, be darkened, be black, be hidden. And if you break apart the words, kind of like how you were saying, separation from God, to be cut off, to press, to forbid entrance. Mm. That's what that word study there. Well, you know, just think of so many people today that are are living in on that edge of darkness by not knowing Christ. Mm -hmm. And how much more that by accepting him and knowing him, uh, would bring light to your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, because that is one thing that uh, the worst thing for man is be totally cut off mm-hmm. from God's presence. And the sad part is a lot of them don't see it coming. And you got all these questions, and it's especially among young people who they rejected growing up in church. They've, they've played. They've made up all these excuses. They're living on that edge of darkness with no realization of the light and no realization of God and not be seeing the difference of being cast out into total darkness. Mm. And that's the, that's what we're looking at. It says this darkness was without warning, Mm. Uh, but uh, we, we want to continue to warn people that there is darkness coming. Uh, And that darkness is for those that don't know Christ Mm. and those that knowing will never experience that darkness. Amen. So uh, continue throughout our teachings. We want to encourage you to that uh, we're believers in Jesus Christ. Uh, we, uh, we're free through him. We're not bound by the, the covenant of the law. And uh, so we're, we're free in him. And so we're, we don't want to take you back to living by the law, but we want to teach you some things through the scripture of how it was and and what some of these things mean and we will talk more about feasts and things what they mean as we we enter those seasons but our message is uh our faith is in christ jesus and we always want you to to know that well i was going to touch on this at the end Mm -hmm. but he's brought me into it already so uh you know part of what we're teaching is to get people to back to understand their jewish roots yes so you got to think about in the when the apostles were there, the earliest of the church age was Jew and it was Gentile. And they were all believers in Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so when we get back to those roots as one people together, believing in Jesus, making him the forefront of it all, we are fulfilling, you know, coming back into what it was in the early church. And that is where the power was, you know, Peter's shadow could go on people and heal them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not replacement theology that we're talking about. It's coming together as one, believers in Messiah, believers in Yeshua and Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, but let's go ahead and continue. Yes, we'll get back on track here. <laughs> I think we're, we're moving in. Well, I'll let you lead us in. I don't want to mess him up once again. <laughs> so Pharaoh finally calls for Moses and says, Go, worship the Lord, but leave your flocks and herds here. Because, mm-hmm. you know, food's gone. Mm-hmm. He's a little paranoid. You may even take your little ones with you. And Moses says, No. Everyone must go, including every hoof. <laughs> We won't know how to worship until we get there. Right. 
And then God hardens Pharaoh's heart again, and he refuses to listen. So I've got one last picture I'm going to bring up here for you guys. Now, Mon Ra, his uh, title was Lord of the Head, depicted as a ram's head with a human body. Amun Ra can translate as faithfully evil in Hebrew. It's uh, The ram was the constellation of Aries, and it uh, was the indicator of the reborn sun. That's what, one of the things that it meant. But neither Ra nor Pharaoh could start the darkness from coming to his own people. And now we're about to see judgment on these two so-called gods all mm-hmm. at once. Pharaoh gets mad at Moses. Mm-hmm. He says, get out of here. Never come back and never see me again. The day you see my face, you will die. Very well, Moses says, I will never see your face again. Yeah, so this was not good news for Pharaoh. <laughs> it is a rough little meeting they had. Now in Isaiah 26, uh, verse 20, it says, Bo, which is Hebrew word for come. That's today's parasha title, is Bo. He says, come out. Come up, people, come into your chamber and shut your doors behind you. Hide your little ones until the wrath is past. And we all know what's coming. And God is always calling us to be separate from the world system and flee from things of this world and its lust. Bo, come out from among them, my people. You know, that's what God's always saying. And it's not necessarily that we have to leave the country It's saying be separate from among those things. It's lust, it's dependencies, it's desires, all the things that draw us away from the presence of God. That's what God is saying in this, in this message, in today's lesson, to come out from among that and be separated. Because we have no place, light, light has no place with darkness. So if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus, you have no place among that. That is not you know, what God has created you for. You're to be separate, to be the salt of the earth, the light. Mm. And that's what God is trying to show in this lesson Mm. because he's separating his people from the people of Egypt. And so we come to the place where he tells all of the uh, Israelites to ask for silver and gold and the Egyptians give it to them. And, and the Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the people of Israel. Moses' anger burned, verses 4 through 9, after mm-hmm. he talked to Pharaoh, because Pharaoh wasn't listening. Mm-hmm. Moses knows what's coming, because God's already told him. Mm-hmm. You ever had to deal with someone making really bad decisions that affect a lot of lives? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what Moses was dealing with here. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine his frustration. Even though the Lord told him, hey, this is coming, and he's not going to listen, it's it's the entire land of Egypt. It, it's the firstborn. He knows what's coming. So keep that in mind. That's why Moses was so angry. Um, if Pharaoh's heart is hardened because it was susceptible to be hardened. It caused him to make a mistake that would haunt him for the rest of his life. And now we come to the point where we're going to talk about the instructions of the Passover lamb and the things of that nature. Now, the interesting part of this, I'm going to go a little bit... Uh, to the side here for a moment. Yes, mm. they put the blood on the doorpost. Mm. Yes, they prepared everything. Yes, they did all that. But the word says, go ahead. I just wanted to say, throw one point in before we leave totally of the plagues. Um, 
and I was looking at some some study notes from some other people and commentaries here, and uh, the reasonings why these these God did this with the plagues. And here are some reasonings that some other people have come up with. To uh, one, to answer Pharaoh's question, who is the Lord in, in Exodus five two? So the plagues uh, in these plagues, God showed Himself greater than all of the false gods. Mm-hmm. So this was one of the reasons. And another reason is to show power of God through Moses. And we see that Exodus 9, 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, another reason they give is to give a testimony to the children of Israel for the future generations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that in Exodus 10, 2. And the big thing that I think is to judge false gods. And and I, that's why I really wanted to get uh, today... Uh, to judge false gods, demons, and uh, uh, so they, you know, we need to to know. And this is also a warning to other nations too. Uh, but uh, God says this, the Ten Commandments have no other god before me, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, you can't. And and today, there's people make all kinds of gods. You know, we read about. Uh, India, and I, I think you keep hearing the term 33 million gods, mm-hmm. which is a term to me that is just unlimited. I've even read commentaries where India has more gods than they do people, and they have a <laughs> lot of people. Yeah. But uh, uh, there is one true God, and I think that's part of these plagues mm-hmm. to show there is one true God and to follow him. And, and that's always our focus, uh, bringing people to God. And now the, the Passover, the blood on the post uh, uh, is very powerful, very significant. And uh, and uh, and I, I'll share something about that, the blood on the post here as we have a moment. Okay. So he mentioned going uh, against all these false gods and things. And that's why I wanted to bring up the ram. And this is why I talked to you about it earlier mm-hmm. with the ram constellation and how Ra was a, uh, he was a false god, uh, and it would, it would, he had the picture of a man with a ram's head. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what did, what did God tell the Israelites? You can take a Passover lamb or a ram. Okay. So think about, uh, I'm going to bring you back a little bit and then we're going to go jump right back into it. But um, he's on his way with Isaac, Abraham, up the hill to make a sacrifice. And as they're going up the hill, Isaac asks, where's the sacrifice? He goes, Abraham says, God himself will provide the sacrifice Mm. for himself, the sacrifice. I think is how he worded it. So they get up there and you know the story. He goes to sacrifice Isaac and the angel stops him. But what do they find in the thicket? A ram. A ram. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. So why a ram? So now we get here to Egypt where their gods represents a ram. And he's telling the children of Israel, you can sacrifice a ram or a lamb. So you can sacrifice the symbol of all of their gods and the head of it. You can sacrifice their sin, their false worship. It's the ram. It's the total symbol of that. Wow. And, you know, we don't really look at that. But he's telling them, I will accept you sacrificing all of their gods Hmm. instead of just a lamb. Wow. So I thought I would bring that out because we don't really ever hear that. (laughs) 
Okay, on verse 12, on that night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike ever, down every firstborn son, every firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute, execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. And then in verse 14, special festival to the Lord. This is, is a law for all time. So Passover becomes a law for all time to mm -hmm. always be celebrated. Now, you, did you want to? Well, you know, uh, I'm going to take back just a few years ago to the coronavirus uh, that it happened. Uh, and we, we get shut down right at a couple of weeks right before Passover. So uh, I think it was uh, March 15th when uh, here in the, the States, everything pretty much shut down. Our governor shut us down. But, uh, you know, during that time of Passover, uh, right before Passover, the Lord spoke to, to us uh, as we were praying and seeking what to do. And uh, he instructed us uh, to put red ribbons on our doorpost and over the lintel of our house. And uh, uh, I know that uh, to the outside world that looked foolish. But, you know, um, during that time, uh, the church participated and, and, and the majority of the church, uh, we put the red ribbons on our doorposts and our lentils and uh, call it what you want to call it. But during that time, not one suffered from COVID. Uh, and during the whole period of COVID and, and uh, uh, you know, the church is, uh, 150 strong, if not more, we uh, we lost no one to COVID. Now, I'm not saying that there weren't a few people that uh, the doctors or the tests said you got COVID, but all of them that said that said, I didn't know I had it. And uh, they went on about their daily life and did what they needed to do, uh, except go to work. Uh, I mean, they, they planted gardens, they painted houses, they did all kinds of, <laughs> they enjoyed their time. Uh, but God has a protection for his people. Amen. And it's through the blood. And uh, through the blood, we see here, even this, the, what the blood represents at Passover. And so uh, uh, in not too many weeks, uh, you know, we're going to be into that and we're going to be talking a whole lot about Passover and the blood and the feast. Uh, and uh, so uh, uh, I just wanted to point that out, that during that time, you know, as we did that, God protected us and we walked in divine health. And uh, I believe we're into a season now. We're into 2023. Uh, I believe it's the year that the Lord will touch his people uh, minister to his people. Uh, and I think that we're going to see the hand of God move uh, in situations like we've never seen before. And I just uh, uh, want to point out even uh, your, uh, this coming Sunday, and I don't know when you're going to get this uh, uh, podcast, but any coming Sunday, uh, we want to invite you because we're going to be praying for miracles right here this Sunday. Uh, and so believing God's going to do some great things. Amen. So, amen. Amen. You know, uh, putting that outside your house like that is totally scriptural. And the Jews even put a uh, scripture in, their little, uh, in the little box. I forget mm -hmm. what it's called at the moment, <laughs> but they hang it up outside the house. Mm -hmm. And you'll see that on Jewish homes. Mm -hmm. And so doing these things is obeying scripture. And a lot of us don't even think about that for us today. But, you know, when the Spirit of God speaks and says, hey, do this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a sign. It's always a sign of a covenant of obedience mm -hmm. and a sign of the blood. 
So yeah. <clears throat> I, I'm taking this back about uh, uh, 40-some years ago. Uh, yes, I'm that old. I can go back 40 years ago and talk about when I had my one of my first jobs. But uh, I was a um, home delivery milkman. And uh, I delivered milk to the houses down in the Cherokee Park neighborhoods of Louisville. Uh, in some of that area, a lot of Jewish homes down there. And that is where I first encountered a lot of customs. Uh, certain times of the year that I would experience, I'd come in and all of a sudden they had these uh, booths set up in their yard with all kinds of things hanging from them. So I, I got to learn uh, firsthand about uh, the festival of booths and things of that nature. But uh, one particular uh, man uh, that I talked to, I can remember back, he always uh, on the little, uh, and like I said, I can't remember the name of it, but they would uh, write scriptures and prayers mm -hmm. and put them in there. Uh, and, uh, and I had experienced him actually changing out the, the last weeks. And, uh, you know, we're kind of following a pattern of what is being read in there. That is part of what they do. Those scriptures for this week are what's placed in there mm -hmm. and they declare it over their homes. Yes. So just, you know, bringing that out. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> um, so we kind of, we jumped around a little bit. We'll try to get right back into it. Um, seven days, eat bread with no yeast. And on the first day, remove all trace of yeast from your homes. And the first and seventh day, observe as official days as a holy assembly. So we'll get into more of that, what that means as we get towards the feast and mm -hmm. the things later on in the year, because we're going to go deep dive into that. But the point of unleavened bread and leavened bread and what they mean. Unleavened bread, the word is matzah, and leavened bread represents sin. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. We've mm -hmm. heard that scripture. Mm -hmm. And the Hebrew word for that is hamatz. And shunning hamatz represents leaving slavery behind. So they were eating matzah, which is your hard bread. Mm hmm and its expression of entering freedom for them is the way the Jews, Jewish people see it because they had to leave without delay. The scripture says they had to leave without delay. Uh, uh, Pharaoh tells them after the firstborns have died, go get out of here, leave my land, take your cattle, take your people, take everything and get out. And, you know, the slaves of Egypt had to eat matzah anyway. Every once in a while, they'd have a little bit of leaven. Every once in a while, they'd have a little bit of sweet bread. But that sweet bread is what the Egyptians ate. So for the Hebrew, Hebrew people and the Jewish people, even up to today, they'll go uh, seven days before all this begins and start cleaning out all the leaven in their house, all the sweet bread, all the things that represent that and throw it out. And they will only have the hard bread to remember that. And it even says, they go as far as to say... Um, Tell, when you tell your children these stories, this is what the rabbis always tell people, tell them about the times in your life where you've left sin behind during this time. So the father of the home will tell those kids, hey, this is my story of leaving Egypt. And what he's saying is leaving sin behind. Right. So just I just thought that was interesting. But um, the people did as the Lord commanded. The Lord uh, struck down the firstborns. There was loud wailing heard on all of Egypt. Pharaoh sends words and tell them to get out, leaving so fast that they left any form of sweet bread behind. So what that's saying is they left 
any sin behind. They went out without spot or wrinkle. So wow. you got to think about that as a representation of, of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. You know, he's coming back for a, a church, a bride without spot or wrinkle. There you go. Right. So they left their sin behind in the middle of the night and left all that sin. But you see, it's so significant of, of, of the rapture. Of the rapture, the, the deliverance mm-hmm. of the children and the rapture of the church. It's painting a picture how these things will happen in the middle of the night at an hour you do not expect to be ready to cleanse your life of all sin and come out from among them. You know, in Exodus, it tells us about uh, the, and a, a great cry in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there will be a great cry in the, in the earth mm-hmm. uh, when the rapture takes place. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's people that have heard the gospel and that rejected it. And, and at that time, they will declare it was true. He was the one. He mm-hmm. was the answer. It was like they said it was. And, uh, you know, that's why we must continue to, to share the gospel with people. We must continue to share the good news of salvation and that there is a way of escape uh, and that uh, the Lord has provided that for us to, to leave our sins behind mm-hmm. through the blood of Christ to accept to him and have, a, have that way of the rapture of the resurrection with Christ. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so they left Egypt with the wealth. The enemies paid them to leave. And then we get to Exodus 13, chapter 13. And God says, dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites, even the animal. So Mm -hmm. the firstborn male. uh, The Lord brought you out by his mighty hand, verse 3, eating no yeast, having no sin. When God brought his people out of the land of Egypt, a sacrifice was made at Passover in their family's place. A firstborn animal was sacrificed and they eaten. Mm -hmm. Now, there was no uh, sacrifice made for the Egyptians. Right. Well, you know, it's it's just all interesting uh, to see uh, what, how God moved in all of this uh, and the great uh, victory. They, people were blessed. Uh, you know, I think uh, it's also, we've, we've heard prophecies pertaining to uh, uh, 2023 and in the future of 2024 uh, uh, prophecies of how God is going to bless his church. And we've always, if you've been a Christian and followed the scriptures, uh, you've always at least had a hope of the transfer of wealth from the uh, wicked to the righteous. Uh, we see that right here mm-hmm. in Exodus. Uh, here, they, they, it's always, you know, tickled me to when I've read scripture that here they are, they, they wanted them out so bad, they they went and said, "Let us borrow your gold and silver." Uh, that's that's not something you loan to people too often, <laughs> but they they gave it to them, mm-hmm. and and there was the greatest transfer of wealth that ever took place in history is right here at the Exodus, and now we're moving in, and we many believe I believe I believe God's going to. Uh, prosper and bless his people. And I believe just as uh, the Pharaoh of that day, we have a Pharaoh of this day. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I believe their heart is hardened, uh, just like Pharaoh's was toward the people and the children of God. And uh, there's persecution. As persecution was then, persecution is today. 
different levels of persecution. I understand that, but persecuted still we are. But God is uh, is bringing us through, and uh, I believe uh, before before that great exodus, there's going to be a transfer of wealth once again. And so uh, many blessed, great days ahead, what mm-hmm. God's doing. And so uh, this whole, let's wrap this up, this section up, Sean, and tell us, uh, tell us, give us some final notes and where we go from here. Okay. So we'll be heading into uh, all the stuff that happens after this, where the children are going to go into uh, the, the wilderness mm-hmm. and all the things that are going to happen there next week. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you said something interesting um, you know, time is short mm-hmm. and the governments of this world want people to depend on them. Mm-hmm. And God's saying to people to come out from among that. So I know that's not an easy thing for some people, mm-hmm. but that dependency upon them is what ensnares a lot of people. And that's what ensnared the Egyptians because they were so dependent on Pharaoh and his word. And he was so in control that they couldn't come out from among them. Now they did have some Egyptians who converted and follow the Jews out. Yes. Uh, there, there was that. There were some that did. Mm-hmm. And it even uh, in the Jewish commentaries, they say that the, the princess that raised Moses, mm-hmm. that she actually converted and came out with it. And they had another name for her. But we'll get into that in a later lesson. Yeah. But well, uh, you said something uh, interesting the other day in a prayer. We were in a Monday night prayer group. And, uh, you know... When you truly care about what breaks God's heart, uh, and you know that's some of that's you, you see someone living in sin, you see something somebody else, and you, you don't know how to confront them, and you don't want to stir the pot. Mm. But what the way you had phrased it is, I don't want to cause a ruckus, and it really means I don't want to be persecuted. Mm. And you had said that the other day, and I, I wrote it down, and I thought, wow. That's that's so true for us. It's so many times that uh, we know things are going on and we know we should talk to a brother or a sister and we don't want to stir the pot. Mm. But time is short. It is short. And I, yes, we have to examine ourselves every day and repent of our own sins. But at, at the same time, if we have brothers and sisters blatantly sinning, sometimes you do have to Stir the pot. Stir, stir the pot. Cause the ruckus. <laughs> Cause the ruckus. Because if in, the, if in the end, repentance takes place, then praise God. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what, But what God is saying is to come out from among them. It's, it's time for God's people to come out from among the world system, from governments, from things of that, to dependency on, upon God and God alone, to trust in Him. I'm not saying you have to leave your country. We've covered that. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's just putting that trust faithfully and totally in God. Because you remember, Amon Ra was faithfully evil. But it's our job to be faithful towards God. Amen. 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 And the, like I said a moment ago, a lot of this was to prove that He is God and He is the one. And uh, today, we follow the one, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. So we'll uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, it's Parasha Bashalak, and that will take us through Exodus 13 into 17. And anything else? I'm good. All Praise right. the Lord. Nice being with you today. 
Yeah. Uh, Gadol Eloha Shalom. Great is our God.